1: everybody, it is a time for another Blue Gold Report podcast. I'm Mike Rags with my partner here, Todd Burlage, ready to talk about the undefeated Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Yes, we can still say that as they head to Virginia Tech, play the Hokies this coming weekend. We'll break down that game for you. We'll look back at the Stanford game. It stayed close uh, until the middle of the fourth quarter, and then they pulled away. And Ian Book impresses again, but so does their defense, and so does a new crop of running backs. So we'll take a look at uh, the next guy up. It truly is the next man up in the backfield, and we'll talk break that down. Um, we've got some Blue Gold Nuggets. We've got a lot to do, but most importantly, we've got to talk about this team. And here to bring it in is uh, our good buddy uh, from Blue Gold Illustrated, one of our lead writers there. I do want to tell you that the Blue Gold Report is brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And of course, wherever you found us, make sure you rate us and review us so we know how we're doing here. They're number 6 in the country, and it's Todd Burledge here to talk about it. Todd, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, Rags. How are you, sir? Good. You know, it it seems like maybe more years than not here with Brian Kelly that this is the uh, turning point, critical point in the season each and every year. We, we get undefeated and then there's uh, Florida State and then there's, the, there's these games that we get to and this one scares me a little bit as we head into po- a potential trap game here and uh, it wears me just a tad bit because if you get over this hump, you look at the rest of your sure. schedule and undefeated season's not that far-fetched.
2: No, I'm not going to. A lot of people using that term, Rags. I'm not prepared to call any game at Virginia Tech Lane State, no, that's what a, I mean. A, a trap game. Uh... I, I don't
1: No, I just I see I I I see them looking ahead and being like you know what I see the finish line here and they don't they keep their eye on the ball. It's only their second road game. This worries this game worries me.
2: Yeah, me too. Absolutely, and we'll eventually get to predictions. Obviously, at the end (laughs) of the show, but let's let's just uh, as a little teaser, it worries me a lot.
1: All right, and uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, It's Saturday night. Obviously, we record these podcasts on Friday. Uh, We've got lots to do, so let's not waste any more time. And I see that there's a hockey note in the Blue Gold Nuggets, which is pretty exciting indeed. The the
2: new polls came out, first of all, and the Irish are ranked number 2, not surprisingly, behind number 1, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, That was your championship matchup, obviously, in the Frozen Four. Hockey actually begins on campus this weekend, Sunday, 5 p.m. It's an exhibition game. It's against the U.S. National Team Development Program. Something to watch, something to tip things off. And then after that game, the Irish will head out to Erie, Pennsylvania for the Icebreaker Tournament. That's October 12th and 13th. The home schedule begins against number 1 Minnesota Duluth in a two-game series that will be on October 26th and 27th, so get your tickets now as that is tipping off. Moving on to some hoops news. The men's and women's hoops teams will take part in the ball out at the bookstore. This is Friday, October 12th, 7.30 p.m. It's at the outdoor courts. There rags outside of Hamas Bookstore. Um, uh, So basically what it's going to be is kind of a meet-and-greet Fans, kids can mingle with the players, get to know them a little bit, chat fun. with them a little bit. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, interact with them. There's going to be some skills competitions that folks can participate in. And somebody's going to win $10,000 or at least get a chance to win $10,000 because they're going to have a shooting competition. They didn't really break down how that that's going to work, but somebody will get a chance to win ten grand. That wouldn't be too bad. It's going to happen after the pit Pep Rally, like, again, uh, Friday, October 12th at 730 Uh, free water, free hot chocolate, free T-shirts as supplies last, and there will be concessions as well. Moving on to football, which is where we'll spend the rest of our show. Let's start on the injury front. Obviously, the big news, and we'll expand on this a little bit more as we move through, uh, Alex Bars, uh, torn ACL and MCL. He has gone for the season. Um, Since he was a grad student, he's burned up all his eligibility. His career is over at Notre Dame. A real shame right there, a team captain, a strong leader, and a guy who had started 30 straight games for Notre Dame. Uh, Running back Jafar Armstrong, who we talked about quite a bit, was really coming on and doing a nice job early in the season. He's got kind of a funky injury here. He's got a knee infection rag, so they think maybe he got it out of a hot tub, had like an open cut uh, on his knee and so this thing could really linger he missed the Stanford game and now he's not listed on the depth chart for this Virginia Tech game so he's not even going to travel with the team so that's going to be something to watch that's something that could really linger linger if you remember Ryan Harris the old offensive lineman from Notre Dame he had a similar uh, situation happen to him when he was in the NFL and it basically ended his NFL career so something to keep an eye on there and finally, Drew Tranquil. Okay, let's stay on the running backs for a second. Tony Jones Jr. will play, will travel. But he's he's nursing a, a, a bad ankle again. This guy's had all kinds of ankle problems. So, again, the running back depth just in, in a variety of ways continues to get thinned on the depth chart. Uh, and finally, Drew Tranquil. He broke his hand. Uh, no problems there. You can't keep this guy off the field. He'll play with a cast. Uh, he's not going to miss any time or whatnot. I suppose it could somewhat limit him a little bit, uh, but the coaches don't seem too worried about it, and those are your blue-gold nuggets.
1: All right, let's go look back at uh, the Stanford game here, and it, it remained close throughout the game, but I'll tell you what. I was pretty impressed. You look at the tape, their defense. I know it, you know they racked up some points, and Ian Book is playing well, but their defense just totally shut down. Costello, I, when you can hold uh, Bryce Love to uh, under 75 yards, sure. yes, he had that touchdown, that's okay. That is an, a major, major win, if you ask me. So we can look at the offense, and we eventually will hear Todd. But, you know, this defense, it, its they're balanced right now. and they, yeah, the, uh-huh. the team's never looked as good as it did on Saturday. No, and not only balanced between offense and defense, but
2: balanced offensively sure. as well between the pass game and the running game. You're exactly right. And, and when you take out Bryce Love, the 39-yard touchdown run he had, what's that leave you with, 34 rushing yards yeah. for the rest of the game? Yeah. So, And that, that t- rushing TD came early on. It's interesting because when you talk about defense, you know, just three weeks ago, Notre Dame gave up 97 offensive plays to Ball State. They only gave up 51 plays to Stanford, 51. Um, and I think the, the what goes to that, what speaks to that most is the Cardinal only converted three of 13 third downs. Uh, Notre Dame was, was was fabulous on defense, especially in the second half. They actually held Stanford only 31 yards in the second half, Rags. How about that? That's very impressive. Uh, and minus thirteen yards in the fourth quarter. That's
1: and, uh, yeah. And Tillery, I mean, with four sacks, yeah. and and he. We've been talking about him a lot this year. Mm-hmm. He's a stud, and he he looked like one on Saturday.
2: Yeah, check out the second half series uh, for Stanford: three plays for one yard, three plays for zero yards, eight plays for fifty-three yards. That was the field goal. Three plays for minus 13 yards. One play, and that was an interception by Tavon Coney. And then the final drive of the game for the Cardinals was three plays for minus 10 yards. That is getting it done defensively.
1: That's a winning uh, combination there. And, and you know, I think, now I, I may be crazy here, but I think last Friday's show I said, boy, we really need to see something from uh, one of our wide receivers named Miles Boykin, and boy, did we see something out of Miles Boykin! I mean, he dwarfed the rest of the uh, receiving core. Eleven catches—I don't know if they all combined had eleven catches. Beside, it, it was pretty close, but 144 yards and a touchdown—that's coming up big.
2: Yeah, 24 total receptions by the team. So yeah, that's a, that's a good. That's a, yeah, that's a good uh, good call right there, Rags. With 11 of them going to Boykin, career high. Obviously, 144 yards. Obviously, had the big fourth quarter touchdown that made things third won 17 and really put things away at this point. He was certainly a player of the game, no doubt about that. And I think Dexter, Dexter Williams, as long as we're going to talk about offense, yeah. what a surprise there. Brian Kelly said going into this game that he didn't expect Dexter Williams to get eight, maybe ten carries, tops. He was just not expecting a lot of work. But, but when he's doing what he's doing, and, and and Tony Jones Jr. Is, is nursing that bad ankle. You know, he was on to some 21 carries, 161 yards for Williams. Both career highs, had the 45-yard touchdown run. Very impressive stuff. I love the balance of this team. I suppose something to watch. Because that was a career high for Williams as far as carries, carries yeah. and his first game this season is yeah. how fresh will he be this weekend? And Brian Kelly seemed to think he would be fine on that front. So we're gonna, you know, we we thought he'd come in with a bang, and he most certainly did. Now a guy that's not on uh, when I'm talking about players of the game, and certainly you mentioned Jerry Tillery in the four sacks. And I want to get speak a little bit more on the defense here shortly. But Ian Book, what did he do here? He had a heck of a game himself. 24-33, uh, of 33, 278 yards, four TDs, mm-hmm. no interceptions. That's impressive stuff. And in doing so, he earned a ton of hardware. Um, he was named the uh, Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Week, National Quarterback of the Week, um, the Maxwell uh, Offense uh, Player of the Week, All-Around Player of the Week, and then the Manning uh, Award Star of the Week. So he took home three national honors. So we, ta- we ask him, you know, hey, how's it, you know, you're making a quick impact here. You're, you're doing the right things and whatnot. We also wanted to know is how worked up were you when you're sitting behind Brandon Wimbush wondering if you're ever going to get a chance to start? Did that ever bother
3: you? And, and the answer I thought was somewhat surprising. There was a lot of things that attracted me here. I wanted to get such a good education and uh, the tradition. I came on campus and, you know, like a lot of people say, once you step foot on campus, it's just that feeling you get. I got the same feeling, um, it was awesome, and uh, but in terms of like the quarterback situation above me and I guess really wherever you go, that's there's always going to be a quarterback every class. Um, you know, I knew who Brandon was, I know he's a, a good player and um, it I wasn't something I really tried to focus on that much because every class is going to bring in a good quarterback, so you know, I, there was an open spot here and you, I guess you look up a, a guy above you and a guy below you, but you know, there's nothing I really focused on too hard. I've always. You know, try to pride myself and be as confident as I can and you know, you gotta think that you're the best player out there. You know, every quarterback in the league, every quarterback in college has gotta think that they're the best player out there and that they're gonna get the job done and, and lead the offense. So it's something I've always reminded myself and try to prime myself.
1: Todd, the proof is in the numbers. Yeah, uh-huh. Six hundred and one yards and six touchdowns in two weeks. They've scored ninety-four points. I right. mean, and, and think about this for a second. Three weeks ago, if we would have told you that Ian Book, Dexter Williams, and, and Miles Boykin were going to be the stars of the Stanford game, you would have been like, "Well, where are they? We don't even know where they yeah. are." And Dexter Williams and Miles Boykin combined three hundred and five yards together.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah, and I love your your numbers. They're very impressive, and I've, I've harped on this stat, but I think it's worth bringing up again. You know, heading into that Wake Forest game, Notre Dame again had gone seven straight games without scoring more than 24 points. It had only happened one other time that that kind of futility streak going all the way back to 1964. Boy, they busted out of that big time, you know, with this 38 17 win here over Stanford. You know, we were talking about this right before we went on the air. You never felt like Notre Dame was being threatened, but. In all honesty, this was a 24-17 game yeah. with nine minutes remaining. Yeah, it was in Ooh, doubt. It, yeah, it was it in kind doubt. Of was still, Stanford was still kind of hanging around. But based on those numbers I gave you defensively, that's why it never felt like Notre Dame was threatened, and then they outscored him 14 nothing. This defense, Rags, I think is every bit and maybe even better than advertised. As a matter of fact, here's, here's something that happened after the Stanford game that I don't think any Notre Dame fan would have expected. There's no way you could have, because defensive line has really always been kind of a deficiency on this team. Yeah, so I was going to bring that up. It's yeah. hard to recruit, but now they are actually rated as the number 1 defense pass rush in the country. Um, and that's according to Pro Football Focus, which really does a lot of uh, metrics and, and crunches the number. Yeah, number one pass rush in the country, that's based on sacks and quarterback hurries and, and just kind of all the facets of a pass rush. Notre Dame is one, uh, Alabama's two, Oklahoma State three, Ohio State four, and Clemson five, so some pretty good company there. And just to kind of add to this a little bit, Rags, 65 Division I players, as at this point, heading into this weekend, have ten or more quarterback hurries. Notre Dame is the only team that has four on that list, uh, which kind of goes to the balance of the pass rush. Uh, Julian Aquara has sixteen, Khalid Kareem fifteen, Jerry Tillery twelve, and Dalen Hayes ten. So four Irish already have uh, ten or more. Quarterback hurries, and that's pretty impressive stuff, and that's why they are ranked as the number one pass rush at this point. Five
1: sacks last week, and they're probably going to need it this week coming up, too. They've got another pretty much high powered offense coming in or going when when they go there.
2: Yeah, I went and and to expand on your sack point there, um, you know, for one thing, they're on pace to have 96 tackles for loss this year compared to 79 this year. But on an individual note, Jerry Tillery already has seven sacks this year. He's on pace for 18. The single-season record at Notre Dame is Justin Tuck in 2003. He had 13-and-a-half. Um, so that he's on pace to absolutely shatter this thing. Of course, when you lay four on a team in one game, three in the second half, that is get it done. Tillery, that move over from uh, nose nose guard to three technique is paying huge dividends.
1: All right, and uh, obviously we talked about it. They're ranked number six in the country, and they actually leapfrogged someone that didn't lose, which is uh, pretty impressive too. Um, let, you know, we keep hearing about this Virginia Tech team. Now let's look ahead as we uh, record on Friday and look towards their next game here. Uh, Virginia Tech they got a transfer in out of uh, with, I believe, where is he from? Uh, this kid uh, he's pretty good. Ryan Willis uh, they got him, he did well against Duke yes, he, he comes did. from Kansas, right? So, mm-hmm. And I know last week they, they got over 400 yards moving the ball, but this isn't the first time Notre Dame's had to go up against a, an offense that tries to just keep moving the ball and run a lot of plays.
2: Yeah, and this team as you would expect a Virginia Tech team to be, is really based defensively too. Um this has been very much a kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team, um, especially when you sandwich the, the, some quality wins in there on, on each side of a loss to Old Dominion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. I and that know. was a game where Old Dominion, uh, let's see, well, they, they won at 49-35, so they scored a ton of points. They had 631 total yards against Virginia Tech, including 494 through the air, so that was kind of interesting. But before that... Virginia Tech, a 24-3 win over Florida State. Very impressive there. And then, uh, as expected, a cakewalk over William & Mary, 62-17. to Okay, then they have the old Dominion loss. And they come back last week and really gained a nice win against an undefeated Duke team. 31-14. to That was a road win. And that speaks high. Duke was really playing good football. And Willis was outstanding. He's yeah. the backup. Uh, Because their true starter, Josh Jackson, he was hurt in that old Dominion game. Uh, But Willis went 17-27 passing, 332 yards and three TDs against Duke. So... While you
1: lose your starter at quarterback here, Virginia Tech still looks to be in pretty good hands. And that defense came up big with seven tackles for a loss, two sacks, two quarterback hurries, and it really stepped up on the road when they needed it most. And that's a huge. If they were on that Old Dominion game, this—I mean, this would be a really top matchup of the week. It already is, and 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 it you just—you keep hearing about this this stadium and this environment that they're playing in. In fact, so much so, BK addressed it. I mean. Maybe I'm my head's in the clouds a little bit, and I don't follow the ACC as much as I should, but I, I did not realize that this is such a tough place to play. It
2: really is. Yeah, they have a great, uh, as, as they come into the, the stadium, it's a great do the 25th ship.
1: man thing, too, right? Don't they have a 25th jersey that they give to somebody to wear? It, it,
2: yeah, yeah. They, they do the Metallica song, the yeah. Enter Sam Man song. It, it's quite a scene. I was watching it on YouTube, actually, and I've seen it before. Ironically, as tough, as hostile of an environment it is, it really hasn't shown up <laughs> on the field. I thought this was really interesting. i got to give loose emoji credit for this one from Blue and Cold Illustrated. Uh, the last win here that Virginia Tech had against a great uh, a ranked team, you have to go all the way back to 2009. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Miami. Uh, they've lost six in a row at home against ranked opponents. That is shocking to me. But again... It's going to be a raucous crowd. It's going to be—I think it's going to be better than what the Miami situation that's was, scary when, thing. and that's very scary. And so, really, the focus all week long has been on Ian Book, stay cool, recognizing defense. They're going to throw a lot of stuff at you, but you got to stay cool. And here's what Brian Kelly had to say about the atmosphere he's expecting to see.
0: Haven't talked about the Miami situation since we left um, Miami. It's been much more about. Uh, environmentally handling um, the situations that will come before us Um, we certainly use that situation to create the situations that will come before us uh, over the next um, you know few games that we have in front of us Um, so no we haven't gone back to the Miami situation other than creating um, you know opportunities for our players to handle uh, the moment better they really get that place rocking. Uh, our job is to handle the environment and go in and play really good football. Um, if we do that and handle the environment and handle ourselves and our preparation, um, we'll be in pretty good shape. If we can't handle the environment and we can't prepare the right way this week because we're distracted, because everybody's telling us how great we are, then we'll be, uh, we'll be in big trouble. But uh, this team's shown a, an ability to prepare the right way, a, a maturity, to stay away from the distractions. Um, we've been you know preparing for this kind of environment for quite some time, um, so I'm confident we'll be able to handle the moment uh, when it comes.
1: You know, Todd, this this game just is eerily familiar to the Miami game. You brought it up not only with the environment, but the point in the season where the the momentum's building now for Notre Dame playoff talk. Sure, um, they they weren't undefeated, but they were seven on, on a seven game win streak. They were eight and one. If they got over that game, things look good for them. It's just very similar in that respect. And,
2: and if I'm not mistaken, Rags, I believe the first BCS poll had come out by then, and weren't they even in that? I think they were think in the mix. Right in yeah, they mix were there as well. So. You make a good point, and it, this I, I was telling you kind of during the clip there, um, we, we were chatting a little bit, and I had a chance to kind of go online and watch some of the stuff from Lane Stadium. This, this is going to be one nuts place, and this is going to be Ian Book's first real challenge because let's face it. What's going to go on at eight o'clock here in Blacksburg, Virginia? Certainly can't com- be compared to what happened at noon at Wake Forest. You just Absolutely, can't, you can't compare the two.
1: Absolutely, and prime time. You know, this man—it just seems hostile environment. It just seems too much like last year. And and Virginia Tech. You know, both teams coming off huge wins, but they so, they're so Jekyll and Hyde too. You just don't know what you're going to end up getting with this team.
2: Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. You know, it's it's a team. I like I said, it's it's a it's a balanced team. If you want to talk offense, they're number 40 in the country in rush, number 36 in pass. Uh, so that gets them to number 27 overall, which is pretty impressive right there at about 480 yards a game. Now, when you go to the defensive side of the football, tied for fourth in the country in rush defense, they do give up a lot of passing yards. It's kind of like something has to give if you're going to really yeah. focus on the run, and then, then you might be able to throw over the top of them a little bit. Um, but they're also tied for fifth in red zone defense, which is important. And Notre Dame's done a pretty good job in the red zone, so something might have to give there. Another thing, they force teams to turn the ball over. They're sixth in the country with a one 5 uh, turnover margin. So certainly creating some chaos on that. And Brian Kelly said a lot of this has to do, they they just throw so many different looks at you. And I started to kind of hint at it a little bit. Another point of emphasis this week, in addition to dealing with the atmosphere and what's going to be a crazy environment, another point of emphasis is for Ian Book, making only, what, his fourth start, third start. uh, He's going to have to be able to recognize a lot of complex and a lot of defensive changes. Brian Kelly liked what he saw, but he does address here just how tricky this Virginia Tech defense can be.
0: There's everything under the sun to consider relative to what uh, Virginia Tech can do defensively. So you're preparing for a lot of different things. I think the game will dictate um, what we see because it's a a younger group. You're not going to see 10 different defensive structures. What it is is what you're going to get, and then we'll adapt to it. We've tried to do a little bit of everything this week and prepare Ian for it. I really like the way he practiced today. He saw a lot of different pressures, different looks, were prepared for it, Um, you know. But they're really good at what they do. They pressure the line of scrimmage in their run game. There's seven, eight, nine guys on the line of scrimmage. That's why they don't give up uh, a lot of rushing yards. But, you know, to do that, you give up other things. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe they'll play us like they did two years ago. They played us... A lot of zone coverage, so we're we'll, just got to be prepared for a lot of things.
1: And yeah, no, make no mistake. Uh, like we talked about, it, they win this game. Now, look, a lot of these teams they're going to play. This is going to be their Super Bowl coming, in, especially Florida State that thought they were going to have some sort of season this year, uh, and uh, Syracuse in, in in New York City, and then you got Pitt Navy. They always give problems to the to the uh, to Notre Dame, and you got USC on the last day, even though they're having a down season. It seems like so, you know. Todd, like I said in the BK years, there always seems to be that point in time where if you know if they lose this game, they'll lose three more, and I don't want to see that. Keep the momentum going. You got the quarterback running and humming really good here, and let's let's get rolling. You know.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right, Rags. This is certainly. Uh... If you kind of want to segment a season, I think this kind of does it. Now, my my editor again, I mentioned earlier, Loose Emoji, he says that Pittsburgh is the biggest trap game on this schedule. I've heard that in too. In his opinion, I've so we'll have too. to watch. Um, obviously, we're that's that's a week ahead. That's a week after Virginia Tech, and then they get the bye week. But I certainly think if you can survive Virginia Tech, yeah. Boy, what's to think you can't run the table? But um, you know,
1: let's face it, midshipmen on the road—that's not going to be easy either. You know, they, they're always playing tough. They got, sure, they're well coached, sure, and, and you know what you're facing. Northwestern, no slouch at home. It, there's there's still some uh-huh. there's still some quality wins out there too that the uh, the playoff committee can't ignore.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the schedule stands up. I think it's not as daunting as I think uh, we all believed it would be uh, to start the season. But there's that's that's beyond Notre Dame's control, frankly. And Syracuse hung in with Clemson, uh, had a nice showing there, even though they ended up falling uh, in that game. So that, that's a that's a quality team that a lot of people didn't think uh, was going to be that much of a problem for Notre Dame. I think what jumped out at me, Rags, is you talk about Navy and some of these other teams. We've talked so much about fitness and stamina and those types of things, the workouts, the workouts. You know how Stanford was able to win seven of nine against Notre Dame was that kind of grind them down. You saw it all the time and win these games in the fourth quarter. That was not the case in this one. Notre Dame doubled them in yardage. I've already mentioned the second half defensive stats. It looks like Matt Ballas his his conditioning program is really starting to take. You saw some roots of it last year. I think you're seeing the fruits of it this year. Yeah, you know, I, I won't buy any of it until it's November and right, winning enough, games. Um,
1: now, how big of a loss is this Alec Barr's injury?
2: Uh, Alex Barr's is definitely a huge loss. Not only from a talent standpoint because certainly he's a wonderful player he's projected to be a first round nfl draft pick as a matter of fact um in, in the uh, 19 draft but i think from a leadership standpoint i mean keep in mind he's a left guard there and so he's working next to liam eichenberg the first year starter yeah. at left tackle and that relationship had, that had to give Eichenberg a level of comfort having a guy that started 30 consecutive games next to him a team captain a voice of this team and so i think there's a, that is a little bit disjointed there trevor trevor rulin will step in he's played a lot this year cuz robert hainsy over there at the right tackle spot has been dinged up a little bit yeah so rulin will come in and he'll play Brian Kelly has all the confidence in the world in him. He weighs 295 pounds. Alex Barrs weighs 315 pounds. So you're giving up 20 pounds there, but at the same time, Brian Kelly feels at least tactically comfortable with what's going on there. The biggest question is going to be the leadership void, especially, again, in an environment like this. But it's a pretty big hit for Notre Dame, not only for this weekend, but moving
1: forward. And you look at a team that's been pretty interchangeable in the backfield with Armstrong, Jones, and Williams, and even the mobile quarterback. um, How many of those holes are going to go away now with this loss? So uh, a team based on being able to run the ball and power it as much as they can, that gets taken away and it could be troublesome heading into this hostile environment. Yeah, for sure. So that, that's going to be one of the storylines to watch is how well ruling holds up. And when you're
2: talking about a defense, again, as Brian Kelly mentioned, that throws so many different looks Angles and blitzes and everything else at you. We'll have to see how that plays out, but certainly it's something worth watching.
1: Well, Vegas wants us to pick Notre Dame at its six-and-a-half-point favorites, so you're just dangling it out there for you. Um, but let's pick the game straight up here, Todd. Again, uh, this worries me. Before the season started, I thought this was going to be a loss, but I also thought they were going to lose to Stanford. So with Ian Book in charge now, the offense humming... Um, I'm going to pick them, I am, and I think they're going to win 31-28.
2: Okay, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game as well. We're, we're we're kind of in the ballpark on this one. Did you realize that Virginia Tech is trying to become only the seventh team in Notre Dame football history to beat the Irish in its first two games? Wow. You go back to 2016 here in South Bend, and Virginia Tech had that huge comeback win, that, that, just, just, that was disheartening 34 comeback win yeah. uh, against the Irish there. Um, I think Virginia Tech gets it done, Rags. I do. I think. Really? Uh, I think book in this hostile environment. Again, this is no Wake Forest, my friend. This is no Wake Forest at all. I think they they think they turn them over a little bit. I think that's the difference in the game. And I think Virginia Tech clips Notre Dame 27-26.
1: And remember, they were done early in Miami last year. They were. I mean, that game Before was over. You, you you knew what was going to happen the rest of that game. Um, I hope you're wrong. And I hope I'm right. I hope I'm wrong too. And we'll be talking about it again next Friday with the Blue Gold Report. Remember, if you're listening on radio Saturday morning, you got Fighting Irish preview coming up right after us. And make sure you download uh, this podcast each and every week. And when you do, rate and review us. And it's, as always, brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Todd, we'll do it all over again next week. Good times. Be fun, man.
0: This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions.